Bible says that when we speak in tongues, we edify ourselves, we build up our spirit, we energize ourselves for greater things in God. Begin to pray in tongues, begin to energize yourself for the word of God that begins to be released. That God should cause you to have an encounter with Him. We are not here to be entertained, but we are here to experience Jesus. Begin to pray and begin to commit yourself to God. That Lord, may I meet you, even as your word proceed. May I meet you, may I experience you in a special way. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. It is your grace that makes the difference. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. We pray that even as your people are here, let there be a release of wisdom and revelations unto their spirit, soul, and body. Let there be a transformation of destinies. We thank you even as we are here that angels are working and operating here. Destinies are being transformed. Let there be a testimony because we came into your presence. That is what you, God, have done for your people. We bless you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, let us big church say amen. Shall I please be seated in the presence of God? I'd like to thank God for the opportunity to share this living manner with the church of God. I also like to thank Pastor Ebenezer Ahrenkes and the leadership for the opportunity to share this word of grace with the people of God. Amen. Today I'll be speaking on a topic which is entitled, Soldier, You've Got to Move Forward. Please turn to your neighbor and say, Soldier, You've Got to Move Forward. Okay. I think your neighbor number one didn't get it. Turn to your neighbor number two and say, Soldier, You've Got to Move Forward. Amen. If you go to true scriptures, the Bible makes us to understand that the moment a believer came to accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and personal Savior, certain things happened in you. You became a new creation. A new creation. But interesting enough, it seems many Christians don't understand this reality of what it means to be a new creation in God. We don't understand. But because we are so much a unique being as a new creation, God gives us different pictures, different angles for us to understand this reality. So we can be able to benefit from this new experience. A believer, whether you're a new convert or you've been in a lot for long, you are a unique person. You are not like the old person you are, but you are a unique person. Now, one thing of the things that the Bible makes us understand about you being a believer or a unique person in Christ is the fact that we are sheep. The Bible says that we are the lost flock. In other words, we've been called to people who are meek, who follow in the footsteps of Jesus. 
And I was it just takes one step. As a believer, you're supposed to be able to take the same step and look at your master and follow your master. One other angle of the idea of us being sheep is the fact that we are supposed to be people who are dependent on God. Unfortunately, in this new generation, most believers have learned to be independent of God. God is allowed in my marriage, but not allowed in my business. God is allowed in my schooling, but it's not allowed in the way I raise my children. And that was just a limitation of how much God can lead our life. But the believer as a sheep is one who's supposed to follow the master in spite of whether we are passing through the valley of the shadow of death or we are passing through sweet and glorious moments. Another way that God describes this new creation is the fact that we are ambassadors of Christ. And I was, as a Christian, you represent the Lord's interest on earth. Whether you are in your workplace, whether you are in the market, wherever you find yourself in, you are supposed to represent the Lord's interest. That is one of the main works of an ambassador. And that was you represent the interest of the nation who or which have sent you. So as we move out in this world, or as we move out in this life, people who see us in our workplace should be able to say, this person is of the Lord. Or this person is representing the kingdom of heaven. But if at the end of your work in this life, no one can link you to heaven, that means that you failed as an ambassador for Christ. Amen. Other angle to this revelation is the fact that we've been called as priests unto God. Priest means that we've been called, one of the major functions of a priest is the fact that we've been called to sacrifice. Please turn to your neighbor and say sacrifice. And we know that the ultimate sacrifice has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we no more need to go to the cross to die to shed our blood. In fact, our blood does not qualify for that sacrifice. But Christ has been sacrificed on the cross about 2,000 years ago. So that any benefit that we can have from such a sacrifice, we can receive it today. When we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. So aside that. As a New Testament believer, then what is my work as a priest? Because the Bible says that you can call priests and keys unto God. So if I'm a priest unto God, then what is my work as a priest? And one of the things the Bible tells us is that we've been called to sacrifice a sacrifice of praise. And I think this week we've been giving a lot of worship unto God. It's a, it's a way of sacrificing. Giving worship and praise unto God is a means of sacrifice. Other way is also the means of prayer. That will make us understand that the prayer that we pray is incense before God. And if you should look at the Old Testament way of priesthood, burning of incense was something that's that every day. Every day. And I was if you are a Christian and don't pray constantly, that means that your priesthood activity, you are underperforming. Please are we here? Praise the Lord. Yes. So, in the midst of all these dimensions, there's another one that I believe most Christians love so much. The fact that we've been called to be kings. A lot of Christians get excited when you speak about the fact that we've been called to live in dominion and all. It's important. And it's true. Instead of us complaining about the politicians, instead of us complaining about our bosses not doing the right thing, we've been called to enforce the rule 
and the governance of Jesus Christ. Everywhere we find ourselves. In other words, if you are there and things are not going well, perhaps because you are not doing your work well. Hello. But we've been called to enforce heaven, the will of heaven, in the place that we find ourselves in. So all of these things gives us an idea of what God has called the New Testament believer to be like. But in line with our team for the year, equipping the church as an army to possess the nations, we've been made to understand that every believer has been called as a soldier of Christ. In fact, we read a book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says that endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then, they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. For then, they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. In other words, I and you who form the church have been called to be soldiers of the cross. And the key thing I want us to focus on is the fact that he said that we cannot please the one who enlisted us if we are full focused on civilian life. In other words, there's a lifestyle that a soldier must take and there's a lifestyle that a civilian must take. As believers of the cross, we've been enlisted by the Holy Ghost. We've been enlisted by the Holy Ghost to serve the Lord Jesus Christ as our commander-in-chief. But as we've been enlisted, we've been given certain responsibilities as soldiers to do. One thing we must understand is that if you read the book of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, it says, I'll go ye therefore into the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the verse 20 speaks of the fact that we need to instruct these people who come to Christ to, to, to obey what God has commanded us. But the key phrase I want us to get here is that go ye therefore. In other words, the Christian church is supposed to be a going church. Please are we here? Hello. The Christian church is supposed to be what? A going church. Any church of God who is comfortable in their comfy place, not doing anything, not advancing the cause of Christ, it's a church that's underperforming. You are underperforming. You are doing less than what you've been called to do. Now, it is so much easy for most Christians to come to church on Sunday, open my offering, you are gone. You go back to your routine, doing whatever you wanted to do. But the kingdom, advancement of the kingdom's agenda, unfortunately, is not in the heart of many Christians. That's why nowadays we complain, oh, in the early days, we used to see a lot of miracles. We used to see this and that and that, but we don't see them anymore. Most of the time, God advances what we advance in relation to what he has called us to advance. Please, are we here? So if you are advancing kingdom agenda, God will advance your course. Hello? If you are advancing kingdom agenda, God will advance your course. God provides provision for only his vision. So as you are determined to fulfill divine vision, God will also fulfill every vision that's on your heart. But if you have only focused on, your, on I, me, and myself, as many Christians are doing today, then you lie bad. Your Christian life will always be down there. 
But if you want to go on higher course, you have to be a Christian on the go. Amen. Now, in relation to this, perhaps you are trying your best, trying to do everything you want to do. But unfortunately, what you've come to understand is that sometimes as we go along the Christian journey, we get stuck. We come to a place whereby the Christian gets stuck. And today, I want to speak to those who are stuck in one way or another who want to move forward. Hallelujah. Sometimes, some of us get stuck in bitterness. Perhaps you were a Christian, Papa. You were so much on fire. In fact, we were given the presbytery for the year. You get it. Or the member on show, you get it. You were on fire for Jesus. You were singing from God. Until the day that somebody said something. And you became bitter. On the day that, the, that that elder did not recognize what you did. And you became so sad. And because of this, some believers are non-functional in the church. Because of bitterness. Hello. Am I speaking to somebody? Yeah, some are not moving because of bitterness. Some are also stuck because they are jealous. You were doing so much. You were a knight in shining armor. You were doing great things for God. Until someone said that, just like how they said about David, that Saul was killing 1,000 and David was killing 10,000. And that was the downfall of Saul. You, this small boy, and you are killing 1,000. You are killing 10,000. I'm killing 1,000. How can that be? And some are like that, that in the church. We are stuck because of jealousy. Some were on fire until something happened. And it became fearful. You used to be one of the people who go for evangelism. When they call for soldiers to go and preach, hey, your hands is up. Until the day someone insulted you and poured water on you. Since that day, you don't preach the gospel again. In fact, this reminds me of an interesting incident. When I was in senior high school, we finished senior high school, and uh, I was going to one of my friends to go and take my things from him. And what happened was that I was going with a friend, and during that time, I've listened to some great sermons about sharing the gospel. I was so much on fire. I was so much happy, excited. And I sat by some nice lady who was wearing, I, think a, I don't remember the, the article, but a golden article. So I learned that one of the ways of sharing the gospel is being friendly with the person, making friends. Then share the gospel too, that means. That means to Christian young brother who is very naive. I asked the lady that, oh, that's a nice article. Oh, that's, I don't remember the article, but I think I described, oh, that's a nice article. And I think the woman supposed that I was trying to get some way to get the steel or something like that. So she became offended. No, what to be mom, you're fine. Then I became lame in the car. Unfortunately, my friend that was sitting by me came to me. I was asking, ah, what happened? Why can't the woman is talking like that? So because of that experience, for some time, I was afraid. Hey, now, share the gospel soon. I have as I do, sir. You understand? But in my walk with God, grace came. Please, are we here? Grace came. Grace came. And I've continued to share gospel with people. And some have given their life to Christ on that account. Please, are we here? After I've said that, I'm not sorry, I'm share gospel with you. And I said, my perform, let me share gospel with you. I could have limited myself to something else and stopped God's mandate for me in that sphere. But because I understood that it is God's call for my life and now what God has called us to do, I continued in that and God gave me victory. 
So today, I want to encourage you that if there's fear that's keeping you from going forward as a soldier of Christ, may God grant you the grace to move forward. Another part is the mentality of failure. Sometimes we have done something, maybe you had some great business ideas until someone did work that way and you lost your money. Since then, you've not done many, many attempts to go into that business again. You know very well that God is calling you to such a business to make us, to bless you and to bless the kingdom of God. But you're not doing anything good because of that experience of failure. But we need to move forward. Another one to say is, is the life of fornication and adultery. Life of, you are chasing skates. Life of, make kind of raw. Praise the Lord. Yeah, 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 wrong. Me kind of wrong. Hello. Life of fornication and adultery. Some are stuck in that. He comes to church. He seems all that. But if you go into closet, the royal one in the mercy. Hello. But what I want us to understand is that as a believer, we cannot keep on in such a lifestyle. We need to move forward. As I said before, it is God's word that the soldier of the cross will move forward. Because of my time, I will just move forward. There's a story about a woman called Miss Havisham. I don't know anyone who has read the book Great Expectations will have heard of this woman. He's called Miss Havisham. Now, this woman, her story is a bit sad. This woman, on the day of her wedding, as most of we come to announce, oh, uh, so and so is getting money. Say, ooh, they say, ooh, everybody's happy. This woman was in the same state. She has had a very nice young man who said that he will marry this woman. And on the day of their wedding, as she was dressing, was up and keeping, expecting that she get married, she received a letter telling her that, all right, number, so the marriage didn't come on. You might not understand this, but let me tell you something. Imagine that you were a lady. I'm usually ladies understand this better. You were a lady. You've told all your, your ladies, hyped your guy. Oh, his, Jojo is cool. He's a nice guy in the system. He's so lovely. I, I like his 5'5". Five five. The way he even talks is very cool. Everybody is, hey, is that true? Then you've told them about all the cool food they're going to serve, all the giftings they're going to give to them, all the money you spent. Then on that day, you get a test, a WhatsApp message that our ambassador. Imagine how you feel. So this woman experienced as this, this similar situation. And according to the novel, what, what, one thing we understand is that this made this woman bitter. So Miss Avers, if you look at the story, he was always dressed in her wedding clothes. For all those years, she was always dressed in her wedding coat. I mean, she couldn't move forward. And all the clocks in her house were stopped at the time that she received that letter. And some of us today, our life has stopped at that moment when we experienced that painful experience. We seem that life is going on nicely, but our life has stopped. Our life has stopped. She had a beautiful life before her, but now she's not moving. In fact, the sad thing is that all the 
the nice food that was supposed to be served for the wedding were left rotten. That was how bad it is. And unfortunately for us, most Christians today, certain aspects of our lives is rotting away. It's just decaying. Our intimate relationship with, with our spouses is decaying. We come to church one thing that everything is going on nice. But because of what she said, because of what he did, that life is decaying. Some of us, God planned for us very great and powerful ministries. Worldwide, worldwide ministries. But because of what someone did, that ministry is decaying. We're supposed to be singing, imparting generation for Christ. But that ministry is decaying. Some of us too, because of these experiences that we went through, our health is decaying. All your headache you've had every day, every day, every day, is because of what someone said. It's because of someone said. You see, there, there, there is something that Mars Moreau says that I really like. He said that the wealthiest place in the world is not the gold mines of South America or the oil fields of Iraq or Iran. They are not the diamond mines of South Africa or the banks of the world. The wealthiest place on the planet is just down the road. It is the cemetery. There, is, there lie buried companies that were never started. Inventions that were never made. Best-selling books that were never written. Masterpieces that were never painted. In the cemetery is buried the greatest treasure of untapped potential. So today, my question to you is that where is your potential? Hello? You're supposed to be leading a battalion, but you are still a junior soldier in God because you are stuck. Today, may God help you to move forward. In line with this, this very woman, if you read the account, it makes one understand that he was, she was so bitter that she was sharing her pain. What happened was that she trained another girl to learn how to break men's hearts. In other words, if you're going to marry this woman, what do we? She was so bitter that she hated men and learned how to train another girl to break men's hearts. And her handling wasn't nice. Now, I want us to go through the life of one great man. Before time, I'll jump to the aspect. There's a man in the Bible called David. David is one man that many of us can link or attribute our life to and love so much. King David, interestingly enough, took other man's wife. This woman was called Bathsheba, a very beautiful mama. And David murdered the husband so I can have this woman. Now, you may be asking yourself, which David am I talking about? I'm talking about the David who killed Goliath. I'm talking about the David who married the previous king's daughter. I'm talking about the same David who was advocate to have killed 10,000 and saw the king had killed 1,000. I'm talking about the David who could sing and demons will run away from the king. In other words, if David was in our time, he would have been on the number one chart. David was so popular. He had the woman, he had the wealth. He had the fame, he had the fortune. But this did not keep David 
from killing another man and taking a wife. In other words, our possession does not necessarily keep us from falling. It's the grace of God that keeps us. Hello. It doesn't matter if you're a director or if you're an apostle, if you're a minister or elder. No matter where, how high God lifts you, it's the grace of God that can keep you there. Please, are we here? And the other part is that this David, in order to get this mama, made sure that aside this Uriah dying, other men of Israel also died along with him. Because he wanted to get what he wanted. But if you read the book of 2 Samuel verse 11, verse 27, it says that when her mourning was over, he's talking about when Bathsheba was uh, crying for the, the husband. David sent and brought her to his house. And she became his wife, bore him a son. But that thing that David had displeased the Lord. But that thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Today, my question to you is, what are you doing that is displeasing the Lord? You see, the interesting thing that David did this in secret. But still, it displeased the Lord. My question to you today is that what is your beautiful mama? Because David's beautiful mama was what led him to do what he wanted to do. Is your beautiful mama your fortune? Is your beautiful mama fame? Is it that, so that a lot of people like you and say, oh, oh my God, this guy is good. This guy is wonderful. What is your beautiful mama? But if you read the book of 2 Samuel, the second Samuel, we're going to the chapter 12. I want us to read from the 13. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10. It says that, Then David said to Nathan, Nathan was the prophet that God sent to tell David that, you think you've done that sin and it's hidden, but God has seen it and God has sent me to come and query you. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with the Lord for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in circle on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us. When we spoke to him, how can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. Amen. Now, I want to pause before you continue. The Bible says that when David spoke to Nathan about his sins, Nathan told him that God had forgiven him. The revelation I want us to get here is that if you are not ready to repent, then redemption should be far away from you. Hello. Look at the homosexual lifestyle now. 
and other sorts of sins. We try to advocate and make it look nice and we try to believe because the popular culture is making it nice. But every Christian, to you, the only culture that's viable is the culture of Christ. Hello. The moment that you repent, you turn and change your mind from the world's way of thinking and turn to God, then you open yourself up for redemption. David understood that what he did was wrong. He proclaimed his sin and redemption came to him. Hello. But you being forgiven does not always let you go free without consequences. David sinned. God forgave him, but the child died. Sometimes we lose anything in life because of our way of life. Not because God doesn't love us. You pray, God has forgiven us. God, you forgive us. How come this thing is still going on? Sometimes the consequence of our ways of life will make us experience what we ought not to experience. Now, I want us to go to the verse 16 downwards. It says that David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves. He realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. His attendants asked, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. Now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now he is dead. Why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Amen. I want us to focus here. Our time is almost up. David has sinned. He has killed another man's, sorry, another woman's husband. He has taken the woman by force. And also, aside that, he has even led to the orchestration of other people's death. This David could have said that I'm a murderer. I've not done well. So from now on going, I know I'm a murderer. I'm, not, I'm unworthy. But what makes us understand that, first of all, he confessed. And when what he was struggling for, praying for, did not come true, the Bible said that he that what he washed his face. Please, are we here? Hello? He washed his face. You see, we need to come to a place whereby we wash our face with the word of God. Hello? As believers, the water for our washing is the word of God. There are times whereby you've done all that you can. But at times, sins not to work out. But you don't need to remain in your sin. You don't need to remain in that failure. You don't need to allow that experience to become a reality. We need to wash our face. Turn to anybody and say, we need to wash our face. Let God's word become your reality. Please, are we here? David could have moaned and cried and, and be in pain and say, oh, I'm a murderer. I've killed someone's wife. Who am I? And all that. But I would say that he washes. When the child died, he washed his face and placed on some lotion. 
and changed his clothes and went to the house of God. You see, in our times of trouble, in our times of pain, in our times of sorrow, in our times of defeat, in our times of sin, is the moment that we need to get closer to God. That is the moment that we need to get closer to God. The Bible says that he went to the house of God to what? To worship. To worship. He got closer to his maker. So today I want to advocate, I want to encourage someone. It doesn't matter what you've done. Today is a day of grace. And today is a season of grace. May God show you grace in Jesus' name. And after this experience, if you continue, the Bible says that later on when he was legally now married to Bathsheba, he gave birth to Solomon. May God give you a Solomon after this experience. Solomon means peaceable or perfect. May God perfect your destiny in Jesus' name. After you've grown to a moment of sin and sorrow, may God perfect everything that concerns your destiny in Jesus' name. So God perfected his destiny. Solomon was one of the greatest kings that they ever had in Israel. You see, he could have named the child Soro. He could have named the child Meda. He could have named the child, say, oh, oh, how bad your father is. Your father is just like that, in a negative sense. But he named the child as peaceable. Someone named the child as Jabez, pain, because he gave birth to the child in pain. But this system was named by the mother. But the mother said, you, you shall be a peaceable man. May God make you a peaceable man. May your destiny change. You see, you might have been going through abusers and have identified yourself with abuse. But may God lift you above and beyond. What people thought God could not do with you, may God do with you in the name of Jesus. This man, David, did not lose his testimony. We still call David the man after God's own heart because he did not say in the sin, but he moved on with God. May you move on with God in Jesus' mighty name. I want to end today's sermon. If you go to the book, let's go to the book of um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16. The Bible says that, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Today I want to encourage us that we shouldn't look for life in dead places. People are looking for life in dead places. But I would say that he said he's a resurrection and a life. The, the devil came to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. A satisfying life. It doesn't matter what your experience is. If you bring it to God, God will mend your destiny. There are many names that we give to God. One of them is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that mends or stitches. It doesn't matter how torn and tattered your life is. If you bring it to the throne of grace, there's mercy for you. Praise the Lord. I summarize and speak about, there's a man that's known as John Newton. This man was a captain of a slave ship. I know many of us know of this man's story. If there's a man who has messed up so much, it should be this man. But this man's life and testimony was turned to a message for Christ. It doesn't matter how much of a mess your life is. 
God is able to make into a message. I say God is able to make into a message. And this man summarized his experience of God's grace in a song that we so much know. Even unbelievers sing this song, but they don't understand it. He says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. May God show us grace today in just me, man.